quick disclaimer. We realized after recording that Danielle had accidentally watched the extended edition of this film. So a few times she references things that didn't happen in the theatrical release. We thought she just had a better memory than us until she started talking about it being over two hours long. So that's what happened there. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Break a Wish, the podcast where all your dreams come true, but with terrible, ironic costs. I'm your host, Maddox Campbell. Uh, joining me this time, we have Danielle Cole. Hello. And Anne McMaster. Hey. Doing an oddly serious voice for some reason. Serious David. And the movie we're breaking down this time is Big, the Tom Hanks film about becoming a big boy now. Uh, I'll say my history with this film is that, uh, this was one of the few VHSs we had at our cottage. So I saw it a whole bunch of times over and over again as a kid, just because it was one of the only movies around. And then I had not seen it for years until, uh, rewatching it for this. And yeah, uh, definitely my perspective on it has changed watching it as a kid and watching it as an adult. Right. It's still overall pretty good film. That was one question I had because both of you have, have seen it before and were at one point, maybe are currently fans of it. And I was wondering if it had changed for you watching it now. It was definitely a different lens to watch it uh, as an adult in 2020 as to when I watched it as I was probably about 13, maybe 15. And probably not in the, no, it couldn't have been in the 80s because I wouldn't have been that old then. But like, you know, a couple years closer to the release date. It wasn't as far in the future. And and yeah, it, there are some things that definitely seem different about it. But was this your first experience with it, Danielle? Yes, it was the very first time I've ever seen it. I think I saw about five minutes of it one time when it was rerunning on television and my dad was watching it. But that is it. And aside <laughs> from that, I have absolutely not seen it. I would say that five minutes of TV watching is not does not count as a full viewing experience of a film. No, it really wasn't. Uh-huh. I had no idea what was happening. Yeah. <laughs> big, not small. Come on. Yeah, it's a big film. It's a big <laughs> film. What about you, Anne? Oh, my God. It holds up for me. And it's like taking on new meaning. Um, like, because I watched it. So I was about... 12 or 13 when it came out and I believe the main character is like 11 in it so I was that 13 oh 13 oh my god so there you go I was that age and um I re-watched it recently for this and I am now the parent to a 10 year old boy so I'm like there's just like so many different things I saw in it and especially as a comedian and someone who like plays with joy and the idea of being like playful as an adult I was like "Ooh, I'm reading a lot of things into this based on my own biases now (laughs) Yeah, I guess just because you brought up the age, I will bring up. I, I he says he was thirteen. The character says that near the end, so it's thirteen is what he starts as. And I looked up Tom Hanks's age at the time of filming is thirty two. Huh. So that is that is the age difference that he goes through in this transition. He goes from thirteen to thirty two. Wow. I think the the adult characters said he was thirty. He at says you look, point. and then the other guy's like, "I bet you're even older than that." Yeah. yeah. Which I think is a joke to the fact that yeah, Tom uh, Tom Hanks. 
was 32 at the time. Yeah, like a like an insidey kind of joke. Yeah. 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 Wow. That's crazy. Like, think about what you're doing at 32. If any of you are over 32, like, wow. <laughs> what gonna... It's about my age now. Yeah. I'm, I'm 33 now. Yeah. Versus what so I do not have an office job and I'm not a VP of anything. <laughs> I have done a data entry before though. So I guess I'm at, I'm at the starting of his 32 year old life. Come on. In terms of success, right? <laughs> <laughs> You're like a total VP of like the board and uh, perfect match. Come on, man. CEO of some really good shows. Come on. If you, make, if you make your own company, you become CEO real fast. Yeah. That is true. Yes. I will also say it did at times feel like a kid imagining what adulthood would be like. And it's like, I'll just walk in and have no problems. I'll get a job and then I'll meet my boss and then I'll be in charge of everything. And my entire <laughs> life will fall into place in four weeks, five weeks. Yeah. yeah. There's definitely a wish fulfillment <laughs> element. There's just everything going right for him after, after a very short period of like, New York is a big, scary city. Everything just starts to go right for him. Well, it would be a really different movie if it was going wrong. Like this poor child in Manhattan just like get what falling into drugs and alcohol. Like, no. Yes, <laughs> true. That would movie. be a very bad that different would be film. Bad. Yes. But it wasn't even like middle of the road. It's like you get there have a terrible interview and then they give you the job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also will say as someone who is super geeky and grew up playing video games and I mean, even I got, um, I, I really love old games. So I had all of the Hugo games, which were text-based uh, with the little images, like the yes. game plays and the idea that you can just play a video game and all of a sudden <laughs> you understand how to use a computer, I would like to say from my own experience <laughs> is highly untrue. Okay. I would, I would say the difference here is that this was a film that came out in 1988 and I have worked uh, in, in, in like offices as a computer person. And if you know anything about computers, they treat you as though you know more than you do because they know so little. So like in 1988, business people just know, we need those new fancy computers. Yeah. That's why he worked in the computer department doing data entry. It's because it was like the only computers in the company were the data entry ones. <laughs> Can we also take a moment to comment on John Lovitz's character? What, <laughs> what was that? Like, like they've been talking for four minutes and he's already like pointing out which women in the office are available. <laughs> That's also very 1988. <laughs> Very, yeah, very 80s. Yeah, yeah. I think there was a, a very much a lens of like women are new to the office place in the 80s <laughs> vibe that was presented in this film. But they belong because their shoulder pads make them look like men. <laughs> also, like the random things like the, the Barbie or the doll where it's like, what's this? Ugh. Yeah. And they yeah. toss it. And I, I mean, it was really noticeable that it barely passed the Bechdel test. I mean, the only conversation was about the secretary or administrative assistant and her not doing her job well enough. And that was the the but only that, time we saw women speaking to each other. And no, but that it, was her talking to a man about another woman. So I don't think that still counts no, as a Bechdel does, pass. She does talk to the woman about the ringing phone 
And it's a discussion with the women in the office. And later on, she says she apologizes to the administrative assistant and um, gives her flowers or a gift or something. So it's like it just just passes <laughs> it does not pass the duvernay test or the russo test what are at those all. what are those yeah those are higher standards that i do not know of i don't have standards uh, what is this the duvernay test is having at least two characters of color who have their own lives and storylines oh, and no. are not just supporting character or supporting figures for white characters. Yes. I believe the only non-white character I recall is a mailman who says, my man. And don't forget uh, Zoltan. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I, I don't think I, I don't think I count a arcade machine as, no. as a oh, non-white is, character. Yeah, No, this is very 1988. The whitest cast. Yeah. And then there's, I think there's um, the woman who tells them to fill out the forms Oh right, and yeah. there is a woman who says, "Oh, I'll go answer the phone." Like it's very that there is not inclusive representation, and, and the, the rep- Russo test no yeah. LGBTQ plus representation. Oh, this is awesome! Ooh. Thank you. I've learned a lot. I yeah, I definitely think that one is not even close to being passed. I don't remember any there's representation fight, of that point. There's this the fight scene between um, you know, the two men. That was I thought that was a bit tense that way. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that was meant to be read that way, and oh. I think that was that was you. I'm just dirty. <laughs> seeing that and just putting that on the scene. I, like I don't that. think it was, it was a good scene. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Can I also <laughs> they were say, playing squash and wrestling? Okay. Yeah. Maybe it's just because I grew up with super paranoid parents, but I was also when I was watching it, I was like. What is going on with these parents? Like, this kid's been gone for weeks now. Mm-hmm. There is, and and this the detective's working on this. There's someone who you think has abducted your child, who you think is running around in at least the same kind of underwear as your child. <laughs> and there are no police sketches on the news. There is like the parents aren't sobbing on the news saying like our son is missing. Please bring him back. Yeah, there's like, just a I milk carton. Think- there's yeah. a milk carton. That was yeah, it. but that's and, it. And yeah. the mother does seem very upset. And I I have been thinking about that again. You talked about like this could have been a very different film if 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 you know things didn't go so well for him. It also could have been a very different film if it was just presented from the mother's perspective. Because the, even then. It's, being kind of jokey like oh the mother doesn't know who who he is and so it's like yeah. scary the, the flip her. slide of this movie is taken with liam neeson but, <laughs> yeah it's basically a taken yeah it could be being like a horror film about a distraught mother not being able to find her son and him occasionally calling and just being super weird on the phone she's just got Except the knife she, in her she, hand the whole time i will find she you. doesn't even it's not even him who's calling. It's a guy who's calling who's saying, you can't talk to your son. And I will say to me, she didn't even seem that upset. Like, especially the scene where she's sitting in the room and she's like, oh, you can take his toy if you want. I'm like, this woman would be sobbing or like out on the street, putting up flyers with a sketch and description of this man who she thinks has abducted her son. The dad was just gone. And there's the one point where... Tom Hanks is back and adult Josh or, you know, semi-grown-up Josh is walking around the town 
just kind of like staring at kids and then is like, <laughs> feet away from this class photo that is being taken and he's there watching everyone take the photo and I'm like at the very least in this town someone would re- have released a description of the man who abducted a child and then broke into the house to like taunt his mother and yet he's walking around staring at random children who oh, are come still on, come on. just in the streets you can't just assume every guy at the park staring at your kid play is a random weirdo like he's quite possibly a time traveling zoltan wishing freak you know like that's you have to be inclusive <laughs> what's what's the test for that Except he he matches the exact description yeah. of the man who was in their house saying that I'm he Josh. is their child. I'm just like, what is happening here? Did no one have uh, immigrant parents who were like, you, my, my mom wouldn't even let me go to the bathroom by myself when I was 14 because she's like, you never know. There could be someone in there. Yeah. That's one thing I, I have to say about the movie that kind of struck stuck out for me was that, that, of course, this is a film about innocence and innocence loss, but like seeing the kids playing the way that kids used to play, like, again, I was that age in, in the 80s, and that's what we did. We were on the street, we went out, um, we were kind of free range, and that's gone. So it's almost surreal to see some of those, of course, they're idealized, but to see the kids just out hanging out, going to the store together in groups, um, it's kind of nostalgic. I think this film is actually coming out around the time of that changing because yeah. um, it was around like late 80s, early 90s when there started to be Ugh. massive reports of stranger danger. That's why they started doing the, you know, well, faces on milk gardens type things, that, yeah. which were never actually effective. And, you know, the rates have been fairly consistent. It was just sort of the fear going yeah. up. There were some pretty high profile um, cases right here in Toronto too, right? Like Right. Like it wasn't that there were more cases going up, but again, like news and information had gotten able to travel faster and further, and thus everyone was suddenly more scared of these things. And so, it has been over time since then that it's continued to rise, and parents are more scared and more protective of their children. Yeah. Though, yeah, like when I was a kid, I also did. I, I could had freedom to bike around my neighborhood at thirteen for sure, and I could go pretty far on my own. And I would probably, yeah, I would probably have been living the same sort of freedom as young Josh is in this. So I'm, I'm first generation Canadian Mm -hmm. and it was so different when I was growing up. And maybe that's partly also the cultures and the, the backgrounds of my parents. But like, I remember my, my grandmother on my mom's side being like, I didn't survive the Holocaust for you to get kidnapped and killed. <laughs> and I remember that being the thing, like we were not, we did not go trick or treating. You could not ride your bike on the road or go anywhere. Like you did not mm. go by yourself. It was so for me seeing this, I'm like, what? they're they're not on the news every night they're not out like banging on people's doors saying have you seen my child like my grandmother still will call me and if I don't answer the phone and I don't call her back in 30 minutes she's like I thought you died I really I (laughs) thought someone murdered you Oh, Maddox, we had such a different childhood. I think I, 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 I remember, I remember like standing next to train tracks when I was like 11 years old, putting pennies think, on them, like, what is going to happen? I think oh. we're, a, uh, we're a spectrum then. Cause yeah, my mom definitely 
will constantly assume that I have died of things and warn me of things. <laughs> but she still gave me the freedom to range because she just knew that it was unrealistic to hold me in. But then will also just, you know, sit up crying and, and, and nervous, assuming that I have died and just knowing that there's nothing she can do about it until it's like at least the next day or something. Right. <laughs> My mother didn't even call me during lockdown. <laughs> like, oh, no. <laughs> oh. Uh, that's okay. I'm fine. I have a therapist. It's all good. But uh, yeah, okay. just different strokes or different folks, I guess. It's- I'm just, I'm saying like I'm in my 30s. I've mentioned this. Like when I go home for the holidays and stuff, and I'm living at home for a little like for you know a couple weeks. Um, my mom will still be like, make sure you look both ways before crossing the street Aww. every time I leave the house. And I'm like, if I didn't learn it by now, this warning's <laughs> not going to do it, right? Aww. So she still has lives in that constant parenting fear. But I guess she's just yeah. Maybe she's acclimatized to the Canadian culture level of fear that yeah she doesn't. Uh, or the current, Act on it or forbid level. me. Yeah. It's funny because, yeah. like I said, I have, a, I have a son who's 10. And, uh, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, I was like, you know what? Go ahead. Go ahead and ride your bike. That's fine. Like, go ahead around the neighborhood. Just don't – you have a phone. So this has changed things, right? He's got a phone. <laughs> go ahead and just don't cross these major streets. He's like, okay, cool. Thanks, mom. And then two minutes later, I get a text. I'm crossing Spadina. I'm like, no, <laughs> no. I was one of the streets. The one There's thing you said not to do. And, uh, but I'm also like, you know what? Okay, yeah. You have to let go. You have to let them like, oh, but it's so hard. Yeah, like I just, they're always your baby. Oh, this is turning into a whole other conversation now. <laughs> oh. Well, well, no, but yeah, I, I guess I, I, I did wonder about that perspective the entire film of like, this is, yeah, for the mother, we're, we're watching him be silly acting like Tom Hanks acting like a kid, even though he's a grown up, Which but he like, did a very good job of, by the way, just as yes. oh he my was God. great at, at seeming like a kid. In he an was adult nominated book. for an Oscar for that role. Oh, did he? Yeah. Was he, he really? He was. Yep. Wow. I mean, yeah, it's, it's very, yeah, it feels realistic. It feels like he just doesn't understand the context of what's going on, but he's not like playing it up. Yeah. Yeah. And the physicality of that role, like I forgot yeah. what physical comedy there is in this. Like, I, I mean, I laugh so hard whenever he drags her up on the. Remember that scene where he drags her up on the trampoline, just like, <laughs> like the way a child would. Like, come on! And there's no yeah, elegance. She's like face planting and getting dragged <laughs> yeah. by her face. Or when he runs, and there's I don't oh, know. He yeah. has that like his arms and legs just yes. don't seem fully coordinated. Anyway, sorry, Maddox, you were saying, so even though he's having fun. Yeah, just like, meanwhile, this whole time, there is that sort of that mother going through the exact same things that you're talking about, like your mother going through, or Anne going through, where she's just wringing her hands. Mm-hmm. But that's all in the background of the film, while the silly things are happening. We're having fun. There's another character sort of going through torment in the background. Also, because where of- is his father? Yeah. His father just disappears, and I'm like... What happened? It's a, it's a TV dad. He's out of frame. He's yeah. he's either at work or in the study ignoring his family. Uh, that's yeah. that's and how TV dad were in the 80s. Yeah. But yeah, and also like for all that tragedy to happen over such a frivolous passing thought wish too of being like, no, I wish I was a big boy now so I could go on roller coasters and six, sit next to the pretty girl I like. You know, it was... Such an irresponsible reason to make such a big decision. Yes. And then can we also say that Billy, Billy is his best friend, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I believe so. Yeah. So Billy is like the other person in this where I just feel so bad for him because I'm like, 
Billy's got so much stuff going on at home. He's trying to help his friend who starts disappearing on him. He starts commuting back and forth <laughs> to Manhattan and skipping school to help his friend out while trying to like run things in the house. And Billy doesn't even get anything good out of it. His friend is like, oh, yeah, I'm getting paychecks and this is my apartment and I'm dating someone now, which also that was yeah. super weird we need to, to talk watch. About yeah, yeah well, we will sure. need to talk about that. But yeah, I, I think if if he had been smart, he would have like given his money to Billy or something. Yes. At the end, his last act as an adult should have been to transfer all of the money he now has also to his what, friend Billy or something. What happened to his apartment and all his stuff and presumably any savings that he had? He's just like, well, guess those are gone. It's just all abandoned. Though, wait, That's- he was. It's still in his name. Yeah, I think he, he, can get he it. didn't use a different name when he was an adult. No, yeah. he didn't. So presumably somebody is going to come after him for rent for his apartment. Or if it's a condo, they're going to start to wonder what happened. But I, I'm like, when you, whatever money you saved, if he saved any of it, wouldn't you keep that or give it to Billy, who really deserves it? Because Guys, poor Billy is running around this whole time. He definitely deserves but Billy, it. Billy got the greatest gift of all in the end. Come on. It's not about money or blow up dragons. It's Billy gets his friend back. It's it's beautiful. I mean, and and yeah. I and that 13-year-old me, you would offer me a blow up dragon or my friend. I don't know. I might go. He gets his childhood back. He doesn't have to go to Manhattan anymore. I just it was so sweet. I love the ending credits with the with the heart and soul <laughs> playing. They're just walking down the street like Oh, it's such a sentimental film. And and I yes. think, Maddox, to go back to your point about a frivolous wish, I thought it was such a – I thought it was a powerful moment because we've all had that moment of, like, not tall enough to ride the ride and the humiliation and, like, it's such a universal human thing of, like, I wish I was more. And then, you know, the exploration of, well, what does that actually mean if you get that more? And I just there's such a there's such a beautiful heart and soul to this movie that I really think resonates because it is so universal. Like I, I remember having that experience at Canada's Wonderland and being like, "You're not big enough," and, and it's humiliating. You see all the big kids and you think they're so cool and you want to be part of that. I, I think there. it is very universal. I think we have all felt this. Uh, I think it's 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 a feeling we all have and it's very universal and this movie did a nice job of explaining it in a lighthearted way but i still stand by it also being a frivolous bad idea that like though we all feel we should all also know better than that like actually going through life at, like that's the moral of this film is going through life at a regular pace <laughs> is a good idea it sets us up to actually be ready for the emotional weight of the things that are to come before us mm-hmm. yeah it also felt like a kid's wish to me like yeah. that kind of thing where as an adult, you look at it and you go, oh, that was not a good wish to make. But yeah. as a kid, it makes sense. And, and I agree. There's always that you you wish you were at a different point in your life, especially when you're young and then you get somewhere and you go, oh, oh, wow. Okay. This wasn't quite what I thought it would be. I will say I, I don't have the experience of the ride, but again, that's because my parents were. I didn't survive the Holocaust so you could ride a roller coaster. <laughs> my grandmother was like, pretty much. Yeah. That's pretty much what it was. Cause she's oh, like, man. everyone dies on that. People are being ejected from those things oh. all the time. People get stuck on them. The, the first time I went to Canada's Wonderland I was 
in my 20s. Wow. Yeah. I had, I think around 14, 15, I went on the Scrambler at a county fair, which of all places to allow someone to finally go on a ride. I, I'm not sure that rides yeah. that get put up in an hour and taken <laughs> down in like 10 minutes was a good plan. Right. But um, yeah, so I did not have that. And I was homeschooled. So I didn't have that like, oh, the big kids, all my only time I had anything like that was that my um, my one older brother was allowed to watch X-Files and <laughs> I was not because I was considered too young. So I had to go sit in another room while he and my parents watched X-Files. And I was like, wow, I hate this. <laughs> and it lasted two weeks. And then I talked my way into watching X-Files. <laughs> so, okay. So you do if That is the same feeling. That is, it is it's, totally. Yeah. It's. It's transferred to a different situation, but it's the same feeling of just being like, everyone's getting to do this thing, but I don't because I'm not old enough. It's universal. It's understandable, but it's a bad idea to try to force that. There's a reason we have those rules. There's a reason you're not old enough. And yeah, I I think, again, I think he made that irresponsible wish because he was doing what in most of these movies and probably in real life, uh, men are making bad decisions because they're trying to impress a girl. It almost always leads. Boy, he's a boy. He's a boy. He's a boy. (laughs) Later, he's a man. that weird we we said we had to get back to the relationship and yeah. i think we do because yeah. it is the weirdest so uncomfortable love scene in movie history yep yeah yes uh we'll start by acknowledging that from a legal standpoint if you assume magic doesn't exist that is statutory rape uh that is yep. can't deny that from the legal standpoint um though it, it remains uncomfortable i think you can almost ethically forgive her because she shouldn't have assumed magic existed yeah and he didn't well physically he doesn't look 13 oh boy it's that's what i'm saying slope, like he, he looks 32 but like yeah it's still it's only because clearly magic magic was involved that maybe you give her some forgiveness but yeah also if you think about it maturity wise he was giving all the signs that he exactly. is not emotionally mature it, enough it's still a tale of a woman finding herself sexually attracted to a man because he acts like a boy Right, like all of her, all of the, his charms are a result of his, like let's jump on the bed or let's jump on the trampoline. I want the top, right? And she, she is into that. She, there's, yeah, ooh. Which, which struck me because, um, my understanding was uh, that women were not the one thing they did not want in a man was someone who was more immature than the other men they normally <laughs> ran into. Have you been reading? I didn't Cosmo think that was what they were all calling for. Less maturity. That's not. That's not what I've been hearing. But they please also, speak to that. They presented her as it. It reminded me of a Hallmark movie character almost. Like her mm-hmm. hair is always tied back, and she's in power suits, and everyone keeps telling her she's so uptight because she's just trying to do a good job at her job, and then over time she's in like loose sweaters and her hair's down mm. and she's just a deeply problematic character in so many ways yeah i think the way the film's trying to sell her is the idea that is that she's starts as a business climber and her interest in him is because he's the new favorite of the boss so she she sees him as a rung on her ladder to success and then him being childish somehow makes her fall in love and remember her youth but yeah that does that's there's a lot of stereotypes in there that are not healthy and 
and yet there's also this message that's so beautiful and which is and this is the message that i love about the film it's like rediscovering childlike joy as an adult you know, like we're all improvisers here. Sorry to out you, but um, you know, like <laughs> we all have enjoyed. We've all had this experience of coming to a class as an adult and do and playing. That, that's what we do in improv, right? And it's like this freedom and this release and this like, oh my god, remembering how we played as children and how joyful that is and and what it does for us in our lives. How it, it seeps into other places in our life, relationships, friendships, just how we treat strangers. And so, like, it's this double-edged sword of, like, yes, it's so beautiful. That is what happens. Even the boss, you know, that, that the famous piano scene, like, he melts, right? Like, he gets the message of, like, oh, yeah, there's joy. And, um, but, the, of course, the flip side of it is this sexual attraction to it. Yes. Hmm. Problematic. Hmm. Yeah, I think, the, I think you're right that the, there is a good moral in the idea of there is something special in play and that we sometimes forget play as adults. I think the film if we were to say that there is a shortcoming to it from like a literary standpoint is that it seems to blow past the flip side, that there are things that you need to mature about. And there are also uh, value in being older that Josh doesn't seem to quite learn. Like they, they seem to have almost done that and then decided those parts of the movie weren't as fun. <laughs> teaching him how to learn taxes and stuff and how to do forms and be responsible with his money weren't as fun of moments. So they didn't bother putting those scenes in, mm -hmm. but it's, it seems like he's getting into an adult life near the end, right? Like he blows off his, his friend because he's like, I got responsibilities. Yeah. This is an important call, but that's like a very short moment, a very short service before. Also, it's not real responsibilities. He's like, Oh, I have this, this woman who, I'm into and things are going well at my job. So I don't want to talk to you. And then again, Billy is there being super responsible and being like, okay, your mom is uh, in your room. She clearly misses you. I'm going to call all of these carnivals. I'm going to sort this all out. I'm going to help you. And I'm like, Billy is more responsible than Josh at at any point in this movie. <laughs> Do you think it would have been a different scenario? Do you think he would have been ready for it if Billy had gotten bigged instead? Oh, whoa. I think Billy would have done better than Josh <laughs> yeah. at, at being a grown-up. Now, I think Billy has his own problematic stuff. and mm. Yeah, but... I think Billy would have made a it, different wish, man. Like... Billy yeah, was really struggling with that basketball. Like he might have wished to be tall, <laughs> or he might have wished Just, that his friend was more like attentive to his emotional needs. I don't know. Like I, it's, uh, yeah. But you're right. Okay, or his so mom, like in a way, Billy, his mom is there talking about herself as Billy is running around and prepping meals and doing this and doing that. And in a way, that's also the dynamic he's found with Josh, where Josh is like absorbed in his own life and his stuff. And Billy's just running around oh, no. taking care of everyone. Billy and he's a just, rescuer. Oh, God. Billy's yeah, going to Billy have a really, horrible life. <laughs> Billy's going to need to go to some therapy. Yeah. And then Billy's going to realize that he needs to uh, oh. cut some toxic relationships out of his life. <laughs> Billy is going to marry a narcissist and it is not going to go well. That is, oh, no. Poor Billy. Yeah, you're right. Billy's kind of like the moral heart of this movie like he really is yeah oh no <laughs> oh Billy. no and all this that i agree with you Anne, and i also think 
there are such charming things about this movie. Like I was watching it and I'm, there were so many things where I'm like, Oh, that's problematic. And that's problematic. And that's problematic. And then there still is this amazing sort of moral about the importance of playfulness and the importance of uh, keeping a sense of fun alive. And Tom Hanks is just, incredibly charming Mm -hmm. even the moments where you're kind of like oh that would be that's not don't do that (laughs) don't do that because we do he still is charming he's totally charming and he nails the impersonation and and also the innocence of that of that character that is in him right like because we still are in a society where we reward vulnerability and in like innocence like that kind of like playfulness that is um like we admire that in people people that can you just be like yeah <laughs> i'm gonna fill my apartment with toys i like there's something kind of like <laughs> you know we kind of envy people for that dude i don't know maybe i'm just I'm, i don't know do you I, I i'm speculating i mean i have a fair number of toys still i guess <laughs> Yeah, to be fair, I, I'm I'm deeply within geek culture, and I'm sitting here staring at all of my Lord of the Rings action figures. Nice. Show, yeah. so. nice. But, yeah. A little figurines, a couple of <laughs> some stuff, some more gifts, but yeah, still. Yeah. I, I still, I try to hold my play in our life. So that might, that might be us specifically, our very play oriented people who still try to keep that alive in our lives. Yeah, again, I don't know if society always like that. But in a story, it definitely makes that a sympathetic character if they are innocent and playful. Oh my god! I, you know what this character reminded me so much of is um, Brick from Anchorman. There's the same kind <laughs> of like innocence and like, oh my god, is this person a uh, like? You know, they have uh, um, the understanding of a child more or less, but in, yeah. in the world of an adult, and that, just how that's used to comedic effect is so much like Brick in in Anchorman. I could see, I okay, could see I- where he was taking notes from from Big. I want to wrap us up with a couple questions for you guys about uh, different magic things here. So first off, I'm going to address the fact that uh, as someone who makes my whole podcast about finding uh, ironic costs for things, I think he worded his wish in a way that left a lot of room for things to go wrong. Because he just said, I wish I was big. So what are the top ways that you guys would have evil turned that? Because I can feel like he could have just been like a giant could have been disproportionately big like he just been weirdly tall but not necessarily in proportion right what about you guys any other ways you would have had just being big go wrong like like it could have been like become a big deal like uh yeah like oh, overly famous to the yeah. point where he couldn't go anywhere or do anything my first thought was giant as well and that he he wakes up and and the whole house his arms and legs are out the windows and stuff. Yeah, he got really lucky to just be aged a <laughs> small amount, right? Like basically doubled age. That's that was very lucky of him. He could have been turned into um something that is big, like a like an elephant uh, or something. Yeah. Or the notorious BIG could have had that. Could have just turned into the yeah. I think it's alive or dead at this point in eighty eight. Don't I'm Googling right now. <laughs> big alive okay so my, my my second question then is thinking back to yourself when you were 13 do you think given the opportunity you would have bigged yourself yes 100 percent. 100 percent. why is that yeah because when i was 13 i was like okay i'm i don't want to live at home anymore and i want to do this and i want to do that and being homeschooled and i skipped 
some grades as well before I was homeschooled. And so I, I finished high school at 14. And oh, so wow. when I was 13, wow. I was just finishing high school and I was so frustrated because um, I applied to Juilliard and they were like, we love you, but we can't have a 14 year old in our dorms. That's right. a nightmare. Wow. wow. Yeah. Their dance dorms, they, they allowed it, but the acting dorms, everyone else was like 22, 18. And they were like, no, we, that we don't feel comfortable with that. And so when I was 13, if I could have had a job in an apartment and a car, like I had a, a, a job, but I had an, an assistant, like a research assistant job. I didn't have, I wasn't creating toys and doing creative stuff. <laughs> so I would, yeah, I would have loved it. You, you, you had bigged your life, but you had not bigged yourself yet. And so, yeah, you wanted to catch up. I, I was ready. I was like, yeah. if I could have had that apartment, he also had a very nice apartment. He had a crazy so. nice apartment. Yeah. 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 I think I would have as well, but I think it, not because I was ready. I think I just really wanted those small personal freedoms. I really liked that one week where my parents went out of town and they just left some money. We could buy whatever groceries we wanted. And I just, you know, ate slightly more pizza or cereal for every meal. Hmm. Those small freedoms that come with adulthood, I loved them so much and I wanted them so much earlier. So yeah, I, I know I would have baked myself at 13 for sure. Hmm. And Oh my God, you guys are so self-aware. I was like at 13, I was just a happy little poop. <laughs> I don't know. I was like listening to Phantom of the Opera and like, I don't know, uh, hanging out. I don't think I was that... Um, self-aware <laughs> you don't think you were do you think don't was, think you were interested in being an adult at that point well probably but i i don't know like i can't think of like this like the specifics that you've just offered i'm like i think i'm thinking i'm like i was pretty contented like painting my star trek next generation paintings and mm-hmm. um you know bleh. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll ask you the opposite question now. Now you can still remember what your life is like now, right, Anne? I can remember my life now. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. Great. No, I have uh, amnesia. I don't even know what I'm doing here. Who are you, people? Who is yes. Anne? What? So my question is now. <laughs> now, if you were offered, would you small yourself? Oh no, never. <laughs> you wouldn't. You wouldn't go back to thirteen. I have. I have a 10 year old in my life. I get it. I get to have both. I get to be 45 and 10. It's great. Aww. Yeah. That does make sense. Yeah, that's man. a good, that's a good way to get to hang out with a, a, a little 13 year old and just play the games, but not have to yeah. live the life. Does anybody want to know everything about Minecraft? Please DM me. <laughs> I could probably use a couple pointers, honestly. Oh, <laughs> get in touch, Maddox. All right. Danielle, how about you? Um, does it have to be 13? I think it does. Yes. No, no. Because you're 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 about you're about the right age to be for that to be the same trade as him. So I think yeah, yeah you got to be thirteen. No, I I wouldn't go back to being thirteen. I, and I think a huge chunk of that is yeah the the freedoms of an adult. I would not want to give those up and go back to. The, the time in my life where at that point I was like, I'm ready to be done with this. So going back to that does not seem like a fun idea. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm a little torn on it because I agree. Like, again, I wanted to big myself at 13 and I, I very much like my adult life. But I also think that like, if I got a second shot at it, I'd do a lot better. Oh, interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel your like rent's paid. I, yeah. Well, I, I mean, 
the way the magic works in this, you don't like go back to that point in your life. You just become that age again. So that'd be a tricky part. But I think if like, if I went back into high school now and started like my career life with all the knowledge I have now. Like what would you change, Max? I'd be more, I'd be more impressive. I think, I think I'd like do better in school. I think uh, I would like take all the knowledge I have now and they'd be more impressed with it because I was younger, I guess. Oh, right. Cause Just because like still have the knowledge of your current age. Exactly. So I feel like there's a lot of stuff where I, I only got, a, I feel like I only figured life out as much as I have even recently. I feel if I had gotten an early start on it, maybe I would have more of a foundation, but also I know I wouldn't enjoy most of it. It would mostly be terrible. Yeah. And I also feel as though part of the journey of life is looking back and going, oh, I didn't have that figured out then. Mm-hmm. And then I'm sure 10 years from now, we could have the same conversation about now. And I also feel like even if you did go back, you you would find new challenges. There would be different challenges that would arise because uh, of your new situation. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's that 2020 hindsight thing. Like it's easy to say, oh, if we if I could do it over again, if we could do it over again, then we wouldn't fall into these mistakes, but I'm sure we would all find new ones to fall into and new things we have to discover. Yeah. I, I, I think I'm torn because I have hubris and I think I can pull it off, but I think you're right. <laughs> I think I would mess all sorts of new things up. I mean, I can't figure out TikTok and I think that's important for kids now. I think it's important. <laughs> it, it does seem to be. I will also say yeah. uh, just on like one more thing that I want to say is deeply problematic is Zoltar and also the the way that uh, his hotel is like presented as scary to him because people are not speaking English as well. Like I when I heard that and he's like hiding, I'm like I know that part of this is that there's a fight and stuff, but hmm. also super problematic that yeah there's all this stuff presented as. Yeah, it just it seemed like a study in in a kid with a lot of privilege who then is like, ah, I'm scared. Yeah, I think they definitely wanted to exaggerate uh, all the scariness, and they just found the ways that they thought the the target the people they were targeting the film at, which again were yeah middle class white people. There was a lot of xenophobia and racism in that part yeah. that I feel like needs to get called out. And and you have done so, yeah. It definitely, uh, yeah, no, definitely, right. definitely in there. It's, I mean, for nineteen eighty two, eighty eight, maybe progressive by those standards, but it's definitely still there. Yeah. But I think we have spent our time talking about our bigness <laughs> and our smallness, and I think we have talked this film through. We are big so, kids now. We are oh! all big kids now. Yay! And we never have to worry about the traumas and traumas of being small ever again. Uh, But thank you so much, both of you, for joining me for this conversation about Big. Thank you, Oh, thank you. It was very fun. Mm -hmm. And to everyone who is listening, we'll have another movie next week. Bye. Well, that's what we came up with. But we want to hear from you. Tell us your thoughts. You can find us on Twitter at BreakAWishPod, email BreakAWishPod at gmail.com, join the BreakAWish discussion group on Facebook, and you can support the show by writing a review, telling a friend, or buying a t-shirt on TeePublic. 
all this information at breakawish.ca. For more Anne McMaster, you can find her teaching classes at The Second City in Toronto, even now virtually, or on Twitter and Instagram at Sheikha McMaster. For more Danielle Cole, you can find her online at I am Danielle Cole on Twitter and Instagram. This is a Kicks and Giggles Entertainment production, hosted by Maddox Campbell, themed by Matthew Reed, cover art by Justin Langford, and a proud member of the Sonar Podcast Network. More podcasts at thesonarnetwork.com. So, what would you wish for? has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar! Hey, Ben! Um, hi, Ava. Are you a fan of Gwen Stefani, Avril Lavigne, Mariah Carey, or even Blink-182? Um, duh, I have ears. Great, then you should tune into Sonar Network's hottest, sexiest, cutest, newest podcast, Nostalgic where Ben Sosa Wright and Abba Emaquando gab. And some would even say guffaw about our favorite pop stars of the past. We talked to some of Toronto's biggest personalities, including... Brandon Ash Muhammad. DJ Mausner. Coco Galore. Nick Nemiroff. Greg Brown, heard of him? So tune into Nostalgic every Monday. Welcome to your week, freaks. That's right. Start your week off with a bunch of nonsense. And, and don't, don't forget, forget we, we love, love you. you. That was a lie. We actually I lied. Don't. I've, I've never. I, loved I, you. I can't. I'm incapable of feeling love.